the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, download the app, get 40% off your, your favorite teams, leagues, apps, articles, podcasts, the works. That's 40% off using theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Monday morning. Appreciate you. Let me get this one out a little bit later than usual. I wanted the baseball stuff to percolate. A little Sunday night football to get involved here. I wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row. couple of NFL points to start us off here. And then Cousin Dan joins to talk about the Yankees and the Padres heading into the offseason. And they're both fascinating. Maybe not so much the Padres. There's some storylines there. And I think they could self, like voluntarily, shake up some themselves up. And by the way, they will because their GM, AJ Preller, is just a... Uh, constantly moving, constantly in motion, constantly looking for that next trade kind of guy. So anything we project here is probably at least on the table for San Diego. So we'll talk Yankees quite a bit and a little bit of Padres with Dan in just a few minutes. But first, a couple of notables. Jimmy Garoppolo had a tough game. And that's the kind of 49ers situation that he's going to have every now and then. Unfortunately, he's a limited quarterback. I understand the McCaffrey situation is what it is. The 49ers as a whole just seem discombobulated. And there's some injuries, right? Some of the defensive guys have been struggling to get back. Bosa finally got back and made a little bit of an impact out there. It's early. It's week seven. And I know I sat here and picked them to, to win less than nine and a half games. I guess that's still plausible. But I also think this is probably the best team in the division. Sorry, Seahawks fans. Sorry, everybody else. I just, all the pieces are here. They're just not connecting, you know? And any, any coaches out there or anybody who, kind of follows the construction of this stuff, knows you can have all the right pieces, but if they're not connected, if they're not communicating, if they're not blah, 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 if the play call isn't correct, then it's just going to look like it looked yesterday for San Francisco. And by the way, Garoppolo was limited. He got shell-shocked a couple of times, made some bad decisions. He's going to do that pretty much once or twice a game. And when you're playing a team like the Chiefs and they're fully locked in like they were yesterday, it's just no contest. That said, Garoppolo made another $250,000 yesterday because of that start. So he's going to continue to pile this cash up with Trey Lance being out, you know, unless he gets his own injury. Knock on wood. He's now earning $9.4 million this year with $1.55 million of bonuses tacked on for these six weeks and three victories. So that's going to continue. I expect them to make the playoffs. Those incentives jump up in the playoffs with 500000 per game started, 50% snaps. So he's going to make his money. And he's not going to make $26 million, but he's going to make his money this year. And we'll continue to track that on the site. Let's focus on the McCaffrey stuff a little bit because I've done an article. I've done a lot of tweets. But I haven't done anything here on the, on the podcast about the McCaffrey move. It's a running back. I'm going to start there because I have to start there. It's a running back. I realize he's going to catch maybe 40 balls for this team in the next 10 weeks. He's going to be a factor. He's going to open up the field for, you know, some of those other running backs, certainly for Debo, certainly for Kittle. And we saw some of that yesterday. In the limited action he, he was in, in the simplified place that he was asked to, to make, he was dynamic. He made people miss. The yards after the catch was all there. And Kittle got a, became more available. Kittle was a factor yesterday where he hasn't been really at all for six weeks. That's only going to get better and better as we talk about the connectivity and the coaching and the play calling. I can't, I'm not going to grade this trade. What I will say to you is this. The second it happened, I went into our trade tracker and I opened it up to every year I have possible. 
and I sorted by running back, and I started to scroll through the list. And I don't know that we have a trade for a running back that includes four worthy draft picks, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth, since, like, Eric Dickerson, Herschel Walker. Okay, we, we just don't see this. Yes, Trent Richardson went for a first from Cleveland to Indy. That happened. It's going to happen. It, that's a one-for-one one scenario. In hindsight, that's terrible, right? Marshawn Lynch went for a couple of mid-round picks. Now, in hindsight, that's a great value trade. The Bills got hosed on that one. He didn't want to be in Buffalo anymore. Obviously, his legacy was created in Seattle. He was a different player in a different scheme. But I don't know that we've seen this kind of compensation given up for one single running back. No other pieces included. And even Dickerson was a three-team trade, and Herschel Walker had a whole bunch of other players built into his. And that was forever ago, by the way. It's not even the same league as it was back then. But I don't think that's being talked about enough. Now, you can say, well, he's not really a running back. That's fair. And that definitely jades this conversation a little bit, especially if he's utilized more as a, you know, a slot, bounce, bubble screen kind of guy, almost exclusively, which I think he will. But we did see him run through the tackles a couple times yesterday in, week, in his first week with the San Francisco. The point is this. He's an RB in the scorebook. He's an RB for franchise tag purposes. He's an RB in terms of financial pay, right? He got paid like a running back, a top running back. And he got moved for four viable draft picks. That just doesn't happen. So the 49ers aren't scared of $12 million next year because they didn't just rent him for $600,000 and give up four draft picks for this year. They didn't do that. They didn't give up three draft picks for Trey Lance just to throw him to the curb in three years. That's not happening either. Okay. Trey Lance would be starting every single game right now if he was, if he was available and healthy. It's just the fact of the matter. And it's a shame that he's not because I think there was a lot of people, a lot of smart people that really saw him rounding into form in the offseason. And he didn't get that opportunity, unfortunately. So they're stuck with Garoppolo. Now, the McCaffrey deal, for, for me personally right now, having watched this stuff kind of uh, mature over the past 15 years, McCaffrey's a better fit for Garoppolo because Garoppolo's not going deep and able to consistently go deep with accuracy. That's just probably bullet point number one in his resume right now. So now you've added another weapon that you can bring right out of the backfield or right at the line of scrimmage and say, get it and go. That's Debo. That's Kittle. That's a lot of these other running backs. And that's certainly McCaffrey who might be the best of them all at doing this. So you've unlocked Jimmy G for this year specifically. So maybe that's worth two of the draft picks. But the other two draft picks are for next year. And there's a $12 million salary next year. I don't care about the cap hit. They can restructure the $12 million cap hit as needed because nothing else is guaranteed in this contract. Yes, there's three years and $36.2 million, I believe, left, if I'm looking at this correct, after this season. But there's only a $1 million injury guarantee on next year's salary. That's it. So if, he, if he's unfortunately injured in the next 10 weeks and he can't pass a physical next March, they could cut him for a $1 million. So that's doable. But they, they're not going to cut him for $1 million. Now, they may rip up the whole deal and start, start from scratch with like a three for 24, 20 million guaranteed. That's, that's plausible, perfectly plausible. Or a three for 30 or a three for 36 to make it sound better and actually guarantee some of that money. He may request that, but with three years left, nobody has to do a thing. 
but there's so many opportunities to, to finagle and move this contract around that they're not afraid of it. They just want the player in this creative offense, and they don't just want it for 10 weeks. They want it for probably 27 at, at, at the minimum, right? The rest of this year, maybe some playoff games, and then a whole season next year. That's the plan. So from that regard, did they overpay? Sure. Second, third, or fourth, or fifth? That's a hell of a lot for a running back. Except for he's not just a running back. Except for it's not a first-round pick. Except for this is going to be one of the biggest playmakers on your team. You've already got the other one under contract. This guy's going to come relatively cheap. You can control that contract a little bit if you need to. And he's going to be, and he's going to be where he wants to be. You know, I, I have to imagine the Panthers situation was running him dry. He's now back near his college town. He's on the West Coast where I think he prefers to be. And he's in an organization that is going to utilize him to the full, to the maximum. So it may look ugly for a couple of weeks here because that Kyle Shanahan system takes time for everybody, even one of the smarter players like a McCaffrey. Okay. And by the way, they're going to be limited because of Jimmy G right now. So that playbook's not going to be wide open. But all offseason with McCaffrey and Debo and Trent Williams and a probably new interior offensive line, let's just talk about that, and Kittle and Elijah Mitchell possibly healthy, that core right there with Trey Lance through the whole offseason. Hopefully, Trey Lance can get back to health by the next offseason. That whole system being utilized in May and in June and July and August should set this team up for one hell of a 2023, which is how I've always assessed this roster. One year away. That's why I bet the under this year on them, but not next year. Not next year. So I think it's a very good now move and an excellent next move for the San Francisco 49ers. One other note, Taylor Heineke started for the Washington Commanders this week. He also has per-game start bonuses built into this thing, and not as big as Garoppolo's, not as big as some of the other ones we've seen, but Taylor Heineke gets $125,000 for his 60% snaps plus a victory against the Green Bay Packers, believe it or not. Taylor Heineke beats the Packers. P.J. Walker and the Panthers beat Tom Brady and the Bucks, just like we thought it would happen. Talk some baseball with Cousin Dan. All right, Dan, I had a ton planned for today. We're going to scrap it all because the Yankees got swept by the Astros last night. Um, you know, look, it's the ALCS. It's somewhat of a successful season. This was a 100-win team. This was an historically good team halfway through this season. So I, I know that a lot of people, and we'll do it too, are going to sit here in front of microphones today and talk about the brain trust, right? Talk about, did they pay enough? Talk about Cashman's ability to build a team. Talk about Aaron Boone's ability to manage. But for like 80% of this season, they were the best team in baseball. So are we, are we being too harsh? Or is it too much of what just happened last night in our brains to really comprehend what this Yankees organization is right now? Um, there's definitely a recency factor there um, that causes us to sort of forget the, you know, the really hot start to the season that they had and the historic season by Aaron Judge. But um, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's looking at it too deeply to, you know, this team has flaws and I think they played above their heads for that stretch of the season um, yeah. where that was sort of unbelievable. And um, it turns out they, they just weren't as deep and as good as that stretch of time. Right. So that doesn't mean that they're like 
a dumpster fire by any means. I mean, they obviously had a successful season. They got within, you know, four wins of the World Series. So I, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know where to go with this team. Um, but it, it is a successful season in a lot of parts. But they they burned down, they burned out down the stretch, and I think a lot of their depth issues um, were exposed here. Yeah, let's get to that in, in just one minute. I just want to, I want to point this out because I'm not even sure you remember this. I didn't remember this until I saw it this morning in a tweet. Since 2017, this is what the Yankees have done. Lost in the ALCS, lost in the ALDS, lost in the ALCS, lost in the ALDS, lost in the wildcard round, and yesterday lost in the ALCS. If, if your team was this, would you be mad? I mean, frustrated that you didn't get to the finish line, of course. But is this just us saying the Yankees have to win the World Series every year? Right? And by us, I mean the world. Isn't that what this is? That, that's an incredible resume for the past seven seasons. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Um, in the same breath, I'm not going to make excuses for them because the Yankees have put themselves on this map and they've... Um, yeah sort of championed around this um like we're world series contenders every year so when you put that kind of pressure on yourself right. like of yeah course they, they, they throw the 27 has, at us quite a bit you're right 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 and i mean they for a stretch you know people were sick of them spending on every free agent it didn't work out it was sort of like a lol the yankees spent um you know historic amounts of money and have nothing to show for it but um so i like I, on that aspect uh, on that front um, it, it, I think the expectations are a little too high, but they sort of put themselves in that place. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I don't have too much more to add. It, it was a successful season by a lot of regards, but they do need to look themselves in the mirror and address some of the, um, you know, the issues that, that were sort of exposed down the stretch here. Let's talk about the old and the new Yankees and why so many people might be pissed off this morning. Third highest payroll last year in terms of cash payroll, $265 million according to our numbers. It's, you know, $10 million less than the Dodgers, just north of the Phillies who find themselves in the World Series here. It's not like they're not spending. They're just not spending $25, 30000000 million more than, than the rest of the league like they used to. They're not recklessly spending. We sat here in the preseason... We looked at this team. We said they're a 90-win team. They were a 99-win team. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they definitely overachieved based on the moves that they made. And that's what people are going to complain about, right? The Donaldson trade, which for a while was fine. And he became Josh Donaldson down the stretch, you know? The counter falafel trade I thought was excellent. Part of that Donaldson trade. There was a lot of moves here that I thought worked out very, very well. And by the way, a lot of internal stuff. Right, the Cortez, Nestor Cortez. There was a lot there. Cabrera, Peraza. I, I just don't think we can sit here, and I, I really want to sit here and crush Brian Cashman. I don't think that's the right move this morning. Do you disagree? No, actually, I'm on board with that. Um, I, I don't. I, I've seen a lot of that this morning. Kind of, you know, Cashman's over the hill. Like they need to get younger in the yeah. front office, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not really there. Like part of what you just brought up, their historic track record of being a playoff team, um, you know, even just games out, um, games in contention, you know, like they're never ruled out of it. And yeah, they're relevant in constantly. August. Yeah. And they're not it's, sitting on their hands. They're changing their roster almost annually now, you know? Right. And, and I want to, I, this is kind of maybe like wish casting, but I want to believe 
part of Brian Cashman doesn't, he would operate differently outside of a market like New York. Like New York, there mm. is always going to be a demand for some sort of um, glossy move, if you will. And like, like let's let's look at the DJ LeMahieu thing for for example, which is huge, <laughs> right? So he traded for DJ LeMahieu, brings him in, which was an incredible trade. He was he he was in one of the better Yankees for the better part of two years. And then they just sort of got backed into this corner where they felt like they needed to sign him. I think a lot of the baseball world was on board with that, that move when that deal was made. But now in hindsight, you have an aging player with, you know, he can play different positions, but you really don't want to give him 140 games at any one spot. Right. right. So I, I just don't know where you go with that. So I like just to analyze that move, Cashman makes a great trade to bring him in, but then has sort of is forced to sign him. Maybe, maybe I'm giving him too little credit and maybe he, yeah, really I mean, he wanted... did win the batting title, right? Right, right. Of course. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying though, is like the Yankees and they might, and it's probably going to happen with judge again. Their fan, their feverish fan base sees these good yeah. years and almost can't fathom that player walking out the door without any sort of compensation in return. So like you, you before, like it's one of these contracts in, in the Aaron Hicks contract and the LeMahieu contract. And then before, you know, you have 15 mil committed to this pitcher that you didn't really want to. I mean, I, I think if Cashman operate, just to come back to my original point, I think Cashman would operate a little bit more conservatively in a smaller market, which may in turn, hmm. Make better. some of these. Yes. He, yeah. I, I think he would be even better than what we're seeing. So I, I think. Can I ask you this question? Some of these deals. Do yeah. You, go ahead. Do you think he might want to, to uh, a change of scenery? Because I mean, this is probably the most pressured job in the league, maybe in sports, right? And he, and do you is there just a breaking point here? And is this is if he knows the judge situation right now? Because I'm sure he knows it. If he knows that it's going sideways, does he just get the hell out of here? I mean, I guess I have trouble wrapping my head around a, a yeah. Yankees. Yeah, quitting the without, Yankees, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and he's been successful. Like, I, I just don't know why he would do it, honestly. And to be to be fair, he's been relatively insulated for for being a general manager in the same organization for twenty five plus years now. He's been pretty insulated from criticism. Now, again, the track record is there to prove itself. But, you know, after the Yankees don't win a World Series for 10 years, you think the fan base might be a little bit more. Um, yeah, there's going to be pressure. Ready to move on. But I, I don't know. They have a they have. It's not even just Cashman. Their entire front office is really a who's who's of superstar uh, front office personnel. I mean, like not that these names are are well known throughout the league, but it's not like they have a cashman and a bunch of nobody interns running the show there. Right. So. <clears throat> All right. Let's quickly do this then. Here's your notable free agents. Just give me a stay or go. That's all I want to hear for now. Judge. <laughs> stay. Chapman. All gone. All Already gone. gone. Britain. Yeah. Gone. Jameson Tyon. Gone. Chad Green. I'm going to lean gone, but I could see him coming back on a, a little bit of a 
deflated deal because of the recent injury stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, and and he likes it there. The Yankees have always loved him. I know you wanted a one word answer. I'm going to say gone, but I I will leave room to flip that at a later date. (laughs) Miguel Castro, another bullpen arm. Mm, Yeah. Gone. Marwin Gonzalez, utility guy. Gone. Probably he's probably there, but gone. <laughs> yeah, they bring him back in July. If Anthony Rizzo opts out, um, I think you and I are in sort of different ends of the spectrum, right? You think he's gone. I think he picks that up and stays. So I think he's there again. You think he stays? I'm the yeah, sixteen million. Stays. Yeah, I do. I think he's going to have trouble finding. Mm. Much more than that on a long-term deal on the open market. I think he likes New York. I think it's a really nice left-handed fit in that lineup, middle top of the order bat. Um, offer some protection for Judge if he stays. So okay. I, I I like the fit with Rizzo there. I don't think he's going to find a ton more, like I just said, and um, like for a million or two more. I think he likes being there. So I'll, I'll say he stays last one. Luis Severino's $15 million club option. Oh, this is, this is the whole linchpin of the off season. Yep. Uh, like, I think, I think they bring it back because there is tantalizing potential there. And we've seen it when he's healthy. Um, and he like the market is so bad that he's probably going to get 15 mil. Right. All right, good answer. Look, if you have Severino, Cole, and Cortez as your top three, you're at least at a starting point here. What what does this team need, Dan? Well, I mean, I'm I'm posting a trade candidate piece probably in a couple hours here. Aaron Hicks is on there. That's wishful thinking, right? I mean, I mean they've got some dud contracts here. The, the Lemayhu contract isn't yet a full dud. I mean, because when he's healthy there's versatility there and he, and maybe he gets back to a 300 hitter at some point in time, but there's some duds like that Donaldson 21 million. That's going to be painful. Obviously the Stanton stuff is going to trail off here. The Hick stuff is already really ugly, although not super expensive, but they're pretty team controlled after that. So, so does this team need a splash or does this team need Aaron judge and another season? Yeah, I like how you laid it out like that, Mike, because at how I sort of laid it out is the Yankees are known for making that splash. So in terms of that splash, I would be looking like if they went that route, I think we'd be looking at like a number two starting pitcher, probably a top three arm yeah. on the market, right? Like the route I think they should go is to sign two or three B B minus pitchers for maybe 10 mil a year or whatever, or whatever the price, how that, however that might break down. But yeah, yeah. I don't think they need a ton. And I like how I, like I said, I like how you kind of laid that out. They have a lot of young team control coming up. If they could lock down judge as a corner outfielder going forward, if they can add to their pitching staff, um, they really do need, I think one of the, we saw it down the stretch. I think one of the biggest weaknesses was identifying a leadoff hitter. Um, ever since Brent Gardner left, they kind of scrambled there. I think Rizzo got some time up there. Um, Judge but, got a ton. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I mean, like, do you really want your 60 plus home run hit? I mean, I get why he's was put in that spot, but you really want him where there's going to be you know, runners I imagine LeMahieu and so. Bader kind of get that spot, but 
Yeah, you could certainly upgrade that position. And by the way, speed is something this team could use. Um, what about the shortstop role? Are they are they going to run back Connor Felipe and just let kind of let him do his thing? Defensively, he was outstanding, and he got hot there. He's streaky, but they've got kids, right? They've got top press bucks that probably could make the 2023 roster, certainly the 2024. And as we've talked about quite a bit, there's another three, four superstar market of shortstops hitting the open market here. Are the Yankees at least interested, or do you think it's all about the youth right now? No, it's all about the youth. I would be shocked if they made a substantial move there. Like if they were going to do that, I think it was this past season, um, 2022. I, I know they made the Kiner Falefa move. Um, <clears throat> I know he was good defensively. I think overall that move sort of f- fell flat on their face. Like just the whole, the whole context of getting shipping out. <clears throat> um, um, Gary Sanchez, Gio, yeah, Urshela, and Gio Urshela, and and bringing back Donaldson, who was okay, but no, he's, he's certainly uh, not the player he was five years ago. So yeah, he's like, he left a bad taste. Let's put it that way. And you're right, kind of from a hitting standpoint, isn't holding up. And Workvet, the catcher they brought over to replace Sanchez at some point, didn't play a six. I think maybe a couple of games is all he got right from injuries. So yeah, that's a TBD situation. I don't think they're going to move on from any of that right now, but do they need to upgrade it right now? Is the, let me put, let me ask this question. Are they still in a huge window of contention here? Uh, what, what, I, what are the Yankees without Aaron judge? That, that's the, that's are it, they the Mike, fourth the best question. team in this, in this division? I'm not even joking with that. So you laid it out earlier, 99 win team. They were projected for 91 win, right. 91 wins. Guess how much, I guess, do you know, Aaron judges war this year? Is it eight? 10 and a half incredible. So this team is a, a fringe division contender probably without him. And you could even regress that a little bit more. If you want to say, say those wins are versus, you know, the blue Jays and the rays, sorry, the law, the, the law, the assumed losses are versus division rivals. Right. So they might be just a wild card team. If not out of the playoffs without this crazy season for Aaron judge. So, the the Yankees and Red Sox are a Xander Bogarts and Aaron Judge departure away from being in the bottom of this division. That's the way I look at this. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, the Blue Jays are here, the the Rays have been here, and the Orioles are coming, and they're not going to stop this offseason. They're going to be aggressive. So I, 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 that's just what we're looking at. So if you're if you're Brian Cashman and you're going to Hal Steinbrenner and saying, "Look, I, I know that you've had me, you know, kind of strung up here, and I know there's going to be some grief and some discontent here with this way this ended." But we got to keep the gas pedal down. See, and, and Dan, that's why I disagree with your shortstop position right now. And, and look, I understand it. I'm all about value. And I'm all about kind of built trusting your process, which is what they've done with that. You're right. They, they punted on it last year because they wanted to stay the course. I don't know if you can do that right now, especially if you lose Aaron Judge. There's a way to replace some of that Aaron Judge production. And I think the shortstops that are available offer that to you right now. And if all you have to do is pay a little bit of money or maybe even give up a prospect right now to round out your roster. I think that's what you have to do. They're, they're set up from a pitching standpoint, much better than a lot of these other teams that I've assessed already. I think they're in pretty good shape as long as Severino stays healthy. Now the bullpen's a different ball game, but um, I just think that if you've got the starting pitching, then you might as well just go for it. That's how I operate see, right now. It's like having see, a quarterback I, in football. So I, I totally agree with that. I guess I, 
I think if you lose Aaron judge, they're closer to regressing for a year. But I I guess I just don't love the staff as much as you do. Like Nestor Cortez could totally go back to his league average self that he was prior (laughs) to this year. Right. We don't really know what Frankie Montas is outside of Oakland. Like he was a very promising pitcher there, but as soon as he got to the Yankees, uh, similar thing that what we saw with Sonny Gray, Andrew Heaney, um, I'm just not sold on it. It's to me, it's Garrett Cole and a ton of question marks. So yeah. I think if they could add some depth, like a, like a stone cold number three and number four starter, maybe that's Sean Maniah. I know he's been um, linked to them in the past. So maybe you bring in the Sean Maniah and um, you know, another fourth or fifth starter, but it's pretty clear once you get past this core group here and if they have injuries or anything like that, they're going to be, kind of thin in that staff real quick. Also just to kind of circle back to the shortstop point, my main point with that is, is just picking up signals from the team on how much they love Anthony Volpe. Um, He's been untouchable in trade talks. People thought he was ready last year. They wanted to give him another year in the minors. It just seems like they're grooming him for like a Derek Jeter kind of career path and hope that he becomes that. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I'm not, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I guess that's, I just don't see them like pulling the parachute on that plan to go chase a high end shortstop when he's still there, unless they think the way to do it is to go sign Carlos Correa to a long-term deal, send Anthony Velope in, in a deal for pitching depth or something. I, I'm not really sure how that breaks down, but that would be my take on it, but I'm not sitting there looking at the numbers. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting there with, with the constraints or. Or, or with the knowledge of the Aaron Judge situation under under my belt, so right. Let's just say, but it's just the, the uh, last point. The roster is just old though, and they need to yeah. find spots for some of these. I was right? just like about to go there, man. Yeah, they have to find. So, is Oswaldo Peraza going to be on their next contending team? Oh, I don't even want to say it. Like they're rebuilding. Are, is he going to be on this roster three years down the line? I have no idea. But give him playing time and let's see what he has. Like I. I yeah, the Donaldson thing was a setback in a lot of ways. It compounded a problem. It didn't really get them anywhere. So it, I got yeah. 35 players on their active 40 man right now. That's not including the, uh, the free agents we're talking about, right? 15 of them are 30 or older. 15. Eight, eight <clears throat> yeah. of them are 33 or older. And, and you have 100 million combined in Stanton Donaldson Hicks alone yeah. in, in next year, too. So that, like, Add in a $40 million judge contract and you have your outfield alone is more expensive than the majority of teams. Yeah, payroll, the Pirates believe, payrolls, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I, if Aaron judge is back, is this team good to go? Last question. <clears throat> yeah. Good, I good think, to go. Um, no, I mean, not totally good to go. They still have pieces they need to address. I think they're, there i don't think they lose a lot from this year if that's it's if their big move is just judge i don't think they're gonna like fall off the cliff but um if judge happens to go to san francisco or somewhere else i i think they're gonna be looking at themselves hard in the mirror saying it's a really fascinating who is producing runs here right i mean that's where you might see them sort of but i again though the yankees they don't rebuild so they're not gonna tear down and you know, sell off Garrett Cole and try you know what this to reminds me of, man. Who's going to be their Geno Smith? Yeah, the player they bring in to just, play 
or, or even a guy that they've had that maybe it's LeMahieu. You know what I mean? Like who who's going to be the, because this, this is exactly what we're talking about is the Seattle Seahawks who finally gave up on their superstar. Then they were willingly able to do it and get some pieces back. Right. And Russell Wilson and everybody left them for dead, myself included. And by the way, I still think they should have tanked like hell this year, but they're not. And they're super relevant because they had a core, you know, they had a wide receiver core. They had a couple of running backs. They drafted well again, finally had a couple of offensive linemen. That just feels like what the Yankees could be without Aaron judge. Now they need that. They need a Geno Smith, right? They need, they need a guy who's going to either step into that role and or be paid to step into that role this offseason. So I don't think there's any chance we see an Aaron Judgeless Yankees step all the way back. It's just impossible with the Stanton contract, with the Cole contract. It's impossible to do it. Um, similar to what we said, right? When Tyler Lockett was paid, Deacon Metcalf was about to get paid. Jamal Adams was about to get a historic safety contract. The Seahawks were in a very similar role, and they didn't. They didn't choose to... to pay a bunch of money to lose a bunch of games. They just simply said, we're going to continue on our path and hope that the, the internal system we built can win ball games, and it's working. So I guess that's what I'm, I'm predicting here for this Yankees team. And I got to tell you, and, I, and we've asked this question seven shows in a row. I'm going to ask it to you again because it's the right time now. I think Aaron Judge walks. That is, that is how I feel right now. Yeah, man, I I think he uh, walks and I'm prepared for version 1A of what this Yankees roster can be with a healthy LeMahieu with, I guess, a healthy Hicks involved somehow unless they can move him. And maybe one of the kids that you've referenced and I, I think an A, an A starter and four bullpen arms. <laughs> That's what this team needs for me. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty. I'm pretty much on board with that. I still think judge is back though, but okay. like you said, if he, if he is gone, yeah. I, I painted a doom and gloom picture. I mean, they do have players in yeah. that lineup, right? So too, you too can, many to, st- to stop trying is my point. Right. So, so you could see LeMay who bounce back to 80% of what we saw. You could see Stanton put together a healthy season where he hits 40, 45. He was, he was outstanding this year. And I hate to admit that because I just hate those kind yeah. of ball players, but he was great. Right. Well, and they finally got him out of the outfield, which was pretty, yep. pretty huge. You know, he was pretty, pretty diligently a DH this year. But, you know, maybe Donaldson b- bounces back a little bit. Maybe Glaber Torres has a career best year heading into free agency. So there, there are paths to them not being a, a total train wreck if, dumb, if uh, Judge doesn't come back. But um, I guess I'm kind of like conflicting points, too, after I said, you know, they should not feel like they have to make the big splash and judge would probably be the big splash where they could kind of reassess and just make a number of smaller tier moves. No, but I think you're consistent in saying that if judge walks, they don't need to make that splash. I I would, I would say otherwise, but I don't think it's necessary. It's the Seahawks certainly didn't, (laughs) right? They didn't bring in anybody to, to round outside of the pieces they got for Wilson, which have been limited. I mean, those players have been role players at best. They just kind of trusted their core drafted well and went from there. That's, that's a little bit of what we can see here, right? Especially if the short one of the shortstops. Do you think Volpe comes up? It's I like, think he de- he debuts next year for sure. Okay. I don't know if he breaks camp with them though, but okay. I mean, there you go. That could be that could be step one on this ladder then that gets them at least to wild card contention in that AL East, which is going to be a monster next year. Let's quickly talk Padres because there's just not the depth to talk about with that team, and uh, and quite frankly, they, they're boring right now. <laughs> um, I had a lot of trouble finding a trade candidate because all they do is acquire players via trade. 
So I can't really see many players being flipped off this roster right now. They do have a bunch of free agents. Um, and I don't know that they'll look to retain any of them. Let's start there real quick, Dan. Will Myers, club option, that's going to get declined. Do you think his tenure is over? Yeah, I think he's gone. Yeah. I think he, I think he could get a decent multi-year contract on the open market though. Like sure. he's still a, he's still a bona fide power hitting corner outfielder that offers you, you know, he's still pretty quick. Like he offers you something on the base pass. He's decent in the outfield. So I, I think I like him, but yeah, I don't see him back with the, the Padres. Is it a true rental for Josh Bell or do they retain him? Um, I know. True rental. Really tough, true right? Rental. I don't think he did yeah. enough. Yeah, I don't think he did enough. There. Yeah, there's just so much. There's just always first base type players kicking around too. So I don't think they're gonna like maybe if it's a nice friendly contract, but I don't think Josh Bell is looking for that. So yeah, I have quite a few first basemen on my trade candidate list right now. By the way, so San Diego could certainly upgrade there because obviously they're gonna work via the trade. <laughs> That's how they operate. Literally, ninety five percent of the roster has been acquired via trade. Um, Sean Manaya, you mentioned him, the starting pitcher. He's just about to turn 30. He had a terrible season, all intense. And uh, yeah. he's going to have to find probably a show-me contract on the back of a rotation somewhere. But do they keep him here for depth or no? I think he's gone. I think the Musgrove deal was the... Like, coming into the year, we had talked about both Musgrove and Manaya heading into free agency this year, that um, both of them could be... I think we sort of laid it out like one or the other could be an extension candidate. And then we saw Musgrove um, get that locked up pretty early. And then um, I feel a little bit better about Manaya if um, he had a better year, but I don't really, I think the Padres will want to move on from that. I think he wants to test the open market and see what he can get. So same scenario for Clevenger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I don't think there's a chance. So look, they're, they're the back of the rotation has gone. And the, the player I picked as the trade candidate on this team, Dan, is Blake Snell, who is, who is basically the number two, number three, if you talk about Musgrove taking that step forward, which I think he has. So you've got Darvish on an expiring contract. Musgrove's locked in for four more. And Blake Snell's on an expiring contract. That's the top of your rotation right now. And I'm not sure they want to pay Blake Snell $16 million in, on an expiring contract. So I think they're going to at least listen to the offers. But where is this team? They're going to get Tatis back, you know, air quotes, mid-season here. Obviously, this team can hit, even, even with the players that are about to walk out the door. I think they ran out of starting pitching, though, down the stretch here. I believe that's their big hole right now. So is it about different starting pitching, or is it about adding more starting pitching? Um, good question. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. They, they definitely need to add somebody. They're definitely in a prime window. So it's not like they're just going to throw their oh, hands no up question. and say, let's, let's look at our minor league depth here, you know? So, no, um, I don't even think they have it anymore. I, they traded it all. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. So that that's why they're in a real tight window where they should feel like they should go for it all. So um, yeah, they need more pitching, how they go about acquiring it. Th this is the hardest team to break down. I think because mm -hmm. AJ Preller is just a wild card, right? Totally. I mean, and I love it. You, we think we, no one wants to trade with them. They're seemingly in on every big trade that that happens or doesn't happen. AKA Max Scherzer. Um, yeah. They're, 
I don't know where they're going to go or how they're going to do it. So this is one I'm going to kind of are they in on Degrom on Verlander on Kershaw on Rodon? I don't see how they can be. I, I don't. I've got their tax projection right now, and that's with all the arbitration and pre-arb players, the, the total 40-man heading into the season. I've got them at 230.1 under a 233, <laughs> and that is not with a full 40-man yet. So they're going to be taxpayers. And by the way, they may rip up Juan Soto and start over on that deal too. So th- they're going to be taxpayers. It's just how much into the tax do you want to go? That's really the, uh, the situation here. And by the way, that 230 is with player options for Profar, for Nick Martinez, and for Robert Suarez, all who I believe will get brand new deals. I think two out of the three with San Diego. So I think there's a real chance here that this is a $240, $245 million team and that they're significant taxpayers. So I don't know that they have, like, like you're mentioning, the ammo to go out and get a $40 million pitcher right now, which, which may, you know, and I, I put it in the blurb, why trade Blake Snell then? Are you a Blake Snell guy still? Or do you think that's an upgrade? Mm. I think th- that's exactly the right response. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I really like Blake Snell. I like the talent. I think there are flaws there. I yeah. think we've seen. I don't think he's um, a fit on the, that roster. Yeah. Yeah, but how, then let, let's just like play. How how do you how do you move him? Like, are you moving him off the roster for two or th- like three arms? Maybe two guys that are fringe MLBers and a bonus. Like, I don't know. How are you doing it? Or is it a yeah? Sal- is it a salary reduction move? Is it a very possible. we're going to use him to upgrade? I don't I don't know how you how they're going to handle the staff. That's for sure. Josh Hader headed to arbitration for, he was not used in the biggest positions in this postseason. He was terrible to start his tenure in San Diego. He sort of found it a little bit and then they just had no trust in him down the stretch. He's, he's projected to make about 12 and a half million this year in our, in, in arbitration for, is he sticking around? Or are they going to basically, I, you know, call call bluff on two of their moves and Josh Bell and Josh Hader at the deadline? Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think he's there. I think he's going to have to be there. That's, but that's yeah, that's a big enchilada for maybe not your closer. You know what I mean? I mean, they're just good. they have to make him their closer. That <laughs> like they they have nothing. Beyond, I think that was just like a timing thing. Like get him get him right. But he. If you make that trade and you're paying him that much in his fourth year of arbitration, like you, he's got to be your closer. Fair enough. Unless it's he's totally what done. Money and says. He, Let's put him. Then he way. gets pulled. Yeah, if we're yeah. tracking the money trail here, that's exactly what it says. Two well, questions. And knowing the and knowing the reliever market is like, yeah, maybe the worst I've ever seen. Well, unless you want to pay twenty million for Edwin Diaz, but well, and that's the only one though. I mean, yeah. then you're paying. Well, there's Kenley Jansen. There's some, there's some guys yeah. out there. But there's that's it. It's the, it's literally those two. And do, like, who wants <laughs> David Kenley, Robertson? Like, uh, come on, there's some guys. Oh, stop! Thirty eight years stop old. It. Didn't didn't get the, the ball yet yet the top, in the postseason. <laughs> the top three are Diaz, <clears throat> Jansen, and Craig Kimbrell. So yeah, no, thank you. Well, back where he started, right? Okay. Um, two questions. I'll get you out of here. Number one is does Juan Soto get that contract this winter? Oh man. Um, they got to be gun shy with this, this Tatis stuff, right? I mean, that that's at least a little bit really bad, really bad. Yeah. At least a little bit. I, I think 
if they're going to do it, they would do it this off season, him coming off of a mm-hmm. little bit of like a regression year. He was pretty bad in the outfield too. Man, um, where did that come from? I know. I know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm saying, I know I, I, he struggled big time. Um, really since coming over to San Diego. So no, I, no, I, I no, want- it, it was happening in Washington the whole year. And, and a lot of us just kind of assumed it was, he's get me the hell out of here kind of stuff. But then he got the hell out of there and still played like that. So I don't know what's going on right, with the, with the yeah. defensive stuff because he's, he's an A-plus arm. He, he can move. Maybe he's just getting a little older. I don't, I don't know. What is he, 24? Jesus. Um, yeah. Not, <laughs> I don't even think All right, last question. We've talked Yankees. We've talked Padres. You've got kind of predictions for how the offseason is going to work for both. Which team is more likely to get right back here next year into, the, into a league championship series? Oh, this is a good, this is a good question. Um, Next on get up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say the Yankees. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right. My thanks to Dan. Always good talking baseball. Tough to see the Yankees go out like that. Wanted at least a battle give Houston a little bit of a run, but look, Houston, Philadelphia, that's your world series. I'm going to focus on that quite a bit on Wednesday's show with some fun facts and figures about those two teams, about the world series in general, and a couple more off season stuff. Like I said, trade candidate conversation coming soon, big time free agent conversation coming right behind that as every team will be in the off season in just a short couple of weeks. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.